Hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk episode 488. This is recording today live on Wednesday the 12th of April 2017 of your Earth Years. We're just back from Music Mesa uh, and uh, I guess you'll probably want to know if you've not seen the podcast before, we talk about music technology, music production, live production, software, controllerism, all of the things that surround music, including the industry and all those other things. So there's quite a lot of stuff to get through because we've just had the big music mess affair uh, last week in Frankfurt. And next week we've got Superbooth, which means there won't be a show next week. We had to slip one in between the two shows because there's really literally very little time. So I want to say if you like what you see, please do subscribe. We're heading towards our 100k subscribers and I'm hoping to get that button on the wall at some point uh, so please do and uh, we want to say thank you to our show sponsors who are providing a prize for the competition isotope you'll be able to win a copy of neutron and also find out whether perhaps it was you that won neutron last week but then you'd have had to watch last week too anyway let's get to my guests we'll start with let's start with mr charles chicky reeves you haven't seen I, him for a little while i'm How doing very Earth well are you I mean, charles are you well thing, i'm doing very well so i'll probably sneeze during the show at least once if not twice uh, well, that's all right. As you can see, Charles is in his studio. He's a producer. He's a front house engineer. He's a composer. He's all kinds of things to all kinds of people. Just taking a brief, well, not a, bre- a break, working at home <laughs> um, between tours that's, where you're on the road. Uh, again we started doing right? a bunch where of festivals be? Uh, in the UK, and then we go to the States for about a month and a half, and then I come back. That's all with Howard Jones, and then... Uh, then I come back, I've got a bit of time off, and then I go out on launching a new album for Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Yeah. Right, cool. That sounds great. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Sublime-uk.com is where you can find out about all things Chick, because I'm sure he keeps his web- like, website as extremely up to date, like all of us. <laughs> wow. Good work, man. Good work. Rich, how's your website doing? Mr. Richard Hilton, uh, keyboard player with Chic engineer oh his video's crunching a bit but uh, he, he's still here we've got him Hi. come in please rich here. Over. things are good thank you <laughs> excellent i'm glad to hear it rich uh is man to controls of the studio for noel rogers as i said he's out on the road with chic a lot i guess you've got a busy we summer do. as well right um our to be announced tour through the united states will cover uh quite a bit of ground with some other very interesting artists but that's all I can say about it right now. Is that the official? No, is that the official title of the tour? Up. I like that's, that the to be know, announced tour. My tour, my tour names tend to be colorful. Oh, I can, <laughs> I can, I can, t- I, I can see the T-shirt already. That's going to be great. But anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. And also, we have Mr. Ty Unwin, who is a very busy man, media composer, does a lot of stuff for TV and film. And has a lot of synths behind him there, as you can see. Is his he's the one with the big synth cave. Chicky's the one with the big speaker cave this week. Although I know he's got synths as well, they're just not on display. Ty, how the devil are yeah. you? Are you everything's, well? Everything's checking in, ticking along nicely. Spring has sprung, and I'm sure it's lovely it up there in the Cotswolds. The daffodils are beautiful. out, and the snowdrops. It is and all absolutely of those beautiful. But to be fair, I wouldn't really notice the difference in here. It's just a bit brighter and. It's still aircon, you know. So I feel I feel really bad now because I got you to draw the curtains because it was too bright. So I've deprived you of even even the small amount of yeah, sunlight. Yeah, you've seen my colouring. Yeah, me and the allowed. sun go really well together. Yeah, we're best buddies. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Right. So Music Messer was last week. Uh, Music Messer and Pro Light of Sound. I don't know if any of you are aware, but uh, Music Messer is, in fact, one of the biggest geographically sort of, you know, in terms of physical size, one of the biggest shows in the world. I mean, it's way bigger than the Messer site, uh, than the NAM site. It's just enormous. But... In recent years, it's sort of tailed off a bit. And obviously, we've got Superbooth next week, which is uh, where a lot of these synth guys are going to be going. So it was a bit bereft of synths, but there was still an awful lot of pro audio uh, stuff. And we're still posting videos, actually. We decided that we'd sort of try and trickle them out a bit more rather than just put them all up. So I'm just curious to see... Um, obviously, there's big news and there's other news. What, Just generally speaking, I mean, underwhelmed, overwhelmed? How did you feel about it? Rich, you look like you're about to speak and you've just come back online with video. I really enjoyed <laughs> watching your coverage of uh, Music Mesa. Um, I enjoyed the walkthroughs. I enjoyed the individual demos. There were some very interesting products. I kind of liked the way the focus shifted away from sort of the usual and into the uh, slightly more boutique-oriented products and some of the more adventurous products. So I really, I quite enjoyed your yeah, coverage I of it, and I can't wait to talk about some of the stuff that you Excellent. I'm super glad about that. And uh, I, I don't know, Ty, have you ever been to Music Messer? I guess it's it probably is, an easier no, job than coming and, to them, right? Um, it's not like, it, you know, I mean, I know everyone says it's not like it used to be. I, I get the impression it's not like it used to be. But uh, there was still loads of, I thought there was loads of interesting stuff um, announced. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff. Some of it good, some of it disappointing. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can get on to that a little bit. Well, Charles, how about you then? Uh, um, have you ever been to the uh, To sort me, it's like the music industry equivalent of going to a strip bar. Um you know, it's just you know, it's like all these women, and you really can't have any of them, at least not yet. You know, and so it's like substituting equipment for yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, I mean, the the pro light and sound part was really vibrant. I mean, this is the thing that you and um, when we were in the pro light, the peer, the pro light and sound part of the show, which they sort of swip the swap them round. You could see that's where the money is because there were massive booths. There, the pro some of the products are extremely high ticket items. They're very specialised, and you can see that all the money and it really kind of puts into perspective our kind of almost ghetto of uh, music technology, which even though is a, a substantial industry compared to the sort of budgets and the kind of the 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 the, the, the quality of equipment that's coming out for live sound, it's it's it pales in significance, and that's why we thought we'd cover a bit of that because it's it's also very interesting. A lot of that technology. I mean, we spoke to a number of people about uh, various things, and it was uh, it was just really interesting to see. So, not so much on the synths, and you know, in terms of the music technology side of things, it was sort of scaled down quite considerably. A lot of people weren't there, and I think they're going to be at Superbooth. I think there's 170 or so uh, possible. Uh, I think there's 170 plus uh, exhibitors at Superbooth, which is a decent amount. It's probably as many or nearly as many as there were in just one of the in one of the halls at Mesa. And when you consider how big Mesa is, you know, that's quite an achievement in two years. But um where should we start? I mean I guess, <laughs> Ty, you probably are interested in uh you might be interested in this thing here, which if I can get it to play, because it's actually um yeah, here we are. This is the Waldorf Quantum, which was yeah, the synth that was announced. The quantum synthesizer. And uh, it's a working prototype. It's a hybrid digital analog polysynth. Um, it has three oscillators with different synthesis technologies. Of course, the wavetables here from 
the Waldorf tradition. We have uh, waveforms where you find your traditional um, analog waveform. We have what we call particle, which is a granular uh, simpler. And we have a resonator, which is a resonating filter bank to get additional timbres. That's probably enough of that. As you can hear, we filmed that on setup day, which is why there's all this sort of hammer, hammering and bashing <laughs> around and stuff like that. Three grand, they reckon it's going to be. I mean, it's an expensive synth. It's got a touchscreen. I mean, it looks like... I'm, I'm quite liking the fact that there are these synths that are coming out that people are just going, hey, you know, yeah, yeah it's expensive, so get over uh, it's, it. Do you know why? It, it's it's good because the, the cheaper end of the market, uh, a lot of manufacturers have switched down to the cheaper end of the market, which is great. That, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But the concentration... You know, they've, they've spent a lot of time and money and concentration on that area of the market. And... Um, there's not a lot of money gone into the the uh, the higher end of the market, and and it seems to be turning around a bit now. I mean, this synth, honestly, my email on the morning that you posted that, it was literally every other email that I got for about well all day basically was just, have you seen the Waldorf? Have you seen the Waldorf? You've got to see the Waldorf. Have you seen the Waldorf? <laughs> and uh, I mean, I've already spoke to my guy that I buy my stuff from, who's a a, a Waldorf. A distributor and uh literally the day that that gets announced that you can buy it then then i'm i've got my name on one because at yeah, the end of the day i mean you know people know i'm a i'm a waldorf fan i love the wavetable stuff i've got um a few bits and bobs and uh but at the same time i'm the one that's still putting my hand up and waving a little flag saying we want something new we want you know we're not expecting to completely reinvent the wheel but we want we want synths that are taking the next step forward and going somewhere new and if that means combining this va with granular with the touch interface with it just all feels uh, a, a, a new step it, i'm not i don't think the sounds you're going to get from it are going to be completely revolutionary but i think the combination of all the elements mean that it's going to be a really interesting synth and you know, even as as they said when you did the interview, even with the lack of sound design that they put into it yet, you can kind of hear what it could do and you can see by the spec what it could do. And that's absolutely good enough for me. So I guarantee I will be getting one of the first batch that come in because um, it looks it's a it's a bit of a dream synth. So for me. Yeah, well, uh, excellent. I mean, I, and I think I think that, you know, the. the, the Putting touchscreens on synths is always a kind of uh, contentious yeah, issue, but this, so, you but know, this why is the, the thing. Not? This is what I mean. I mean I've I've had this conversation with designers before, basically about synths, and there are certain things that iPads and touch, you know touchscreens are fantastic at, and there are other things that they're rubbish at, and so the combining the two is always going to be the way the way forward. But it it looks like they've used it in a way which is more more like an iPad, because I've got loads of synths with touchscreens, but they're still, all they're really doing is replicating knobs or sliders or whatever. It kind of looks like this is a lot more integrated, like it's a, a, it's a proper part of the synth rather than emulating what could be physical knobs, really. So. Uh, no, okay, fair enough. Rich, you seem to be nodding along in agreement there. I mean, have you got any Waldorf stuff? No, you haven't got your mic on either. <laughs> First time. <laughs> Take a drink, everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have any Waldorf stuff. I have had software. Uh, I used 
their Largo synth before. I have used their hardware since. I like their stuff. This thing looks great. I was nodding about uh, Ty's observation about the way most people use touchscreen on hardware devices and how that sort of isn't necessarily the best use of the real estate in that window. Yeah, no, I suppose so. I, I should point out that uh, it's a hybrid, isn't it? So it's the kind of the, the, the VA or the digital side is the uh, analogs, uh, is the uh, oscillators, and it's got uh, analog VCF. It may have analog VCA as well. I'm not sure. How about you, Chicky? Are you kind not of really. uh, are you a Waldorf um, I like guy? I the Blofeld. I mean, that was a fun ah. little machine and, and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not necessarily a huge fan. Uh, I'm not nothing against it, but uh, but this does sound interesting. And for some reason, I, I don't know why this reminds me a lot of the. You remember the? Well, I have one. It's the the old JD800 from Roland. Something about it just kind of reminds me. Like something about the way it's laid out just reminds me of that a bit. And yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I've had this thing since 1992, and it's probably due for a replacement of some type because it's not going to work much longer. But um, yeah, it's it's falling <laughs> apart. But, um, <laughs> Quite possibly. But the uh, yeah, this I th I think this is gonna be gonna be great. I'm actually kind of excited about this. So yeah, why not? You know. Yeah. No. Excellent. I mean, we we also saw. Um, Speaking of the Waldorf engine, we we actually saw one of uh, um, Axel Hartmann's twenty synths in the in the flesh, which was a thing of great beauty and and somewhat kind of, but. Somebody put in the comments, which was I thought was quite quite uh, quite astute, which was basically it's a fifteen hundred dollar synth in an eighteen and a half thousand dollar case, which is kind of it's not it's kind of it. I mean, it's not even kind of it. I mean, I have a bit of an issue here because you know I I mean I'm in touch with Axel, and I think Axel is an absolutely fantastic, really fantastic designer and a really nice bloke, and I really have a lot of time for him. And we spoke about the twenty, and at some stage, you know, I I. I would like to sit down in the flesh and actually play with one. But he was telling me about the difference between what I've got, which is a sledge black and, and the 20. And in terms of the engine, it's the same as this, it's the same engine. The only. Yeah. Yeah. 10 grand's, I mean, that, 10 grand's worth of aluminium, with the, with I think, this, is probably. The sledge <laughs> is that you can load samples into it. And what they've done is, um, as Axel said, they've loaded in the samples from the neuron. Uh, the Hartmann Neuron, which is, again, I've got one of those. It's an amazing synth. The problem is, with the Neuron, the worst part of the synth was basically the sample set. The synthesis was amazing. Amazing. The sample set <laughs> is full of clicks and, and it's distortion, and, and it's an awful sample set. And they've taken samples from this and put it in the, in the 20. And I know that the output stage is completely different. It's an SPL output stage, so the D2A is fantastic. So it's a bit louder, it's a bit cleaner, it's a bit... But the reality is... It's an amazing work of art, and and I but yeah, I like I think the way that he actually admitted to, that it? when he was talking about it. He said it's a design piece. It's a it's almost yeah. like a concept piece. We'll make them when people want them. If we don't sell twenty, it's not the end of the world. But it exists, and I love that idea. But I've I've had so many people say to me, "Oh well, you know, are you going to get one?" No, because I've said before, for me, the instruments are instruments. They need to work and sound good. And if it sounds exact, almost the same as what I've already got in a, something that's a fraction of the cost. The, the 20s of no, I'm not, it's not something I'm just going to sit and look at and touch and go with lots of aluminium. Mmm, nice. It's, I want it to sound good and I've got the same sounds. But I love the concept, but I don't like, don't love the product. 
Yeah, well, I think that's a fair comment. However, something that you might want to look at and just touch. Did you see this? This was just bonkers. I've just posted this today, so you might not, but check this out. This is a 24-track digital field recorder from Arten Digital. That is the Contar X3 24-track recorder. Look at that. Basically, this recorder is is a, a, a machine that can record 24 track with like up to for the X3 up to 56 input. We have a, a mix of analog input, mic or line level input, and uh, digital input like AES3, AES4. I just thought I'd toss that one in there because it's such an outrageous, I mean, it's 15,000 euros. It's outrageous, but but it's like the dog's dangly bits when it comes to uh, film soundtrack. And this is one of the things about Music Messer. We get to see this kind of stuff because we wouldn't see this anywhere else. And it's just, it's just a start. They do a 16-track version. And it's just, it's made of aluminium. And, it you know, it's just, again, aluminium seems to be the common factor. I didn't realise aluminium was quite so expensive. It seems like it might be more expensive than platinum at this rate. But... It's a beautiful, it's a thing of beauty. I was just tired because you were just saying you might not sit and look at but you might actually just it sit just and looks, look at that. I mean, imagine that, that's bonkers. just, a, that is it, a beautiful It looks thing. absolutely mad. Yeah. And the <laughs> fact that even with the, like, the coloured plastic sliders and things, it looks like, it kind of looks like it's been designed by someone who has a, an amazing eye, an amazing, you know, kind of concept of design crossed with a four-year-old child. And I can't decide whether it looks mad in a great way or just looks mad. But um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't give you. Uh, look, if you're if you're in the industry and you need, as you say, you need the dogs bees, then um, then great. But yeah, yeah, it's been used on a lot of big movies, I think. So, uh, I Charles, have you ever done any uh, uh, location sound? I mean, you know, you rocked up with one of those people are yeah. going to start taking you pretty seriously, I'd imagine, or not. Well, they might laugh at you, I suppose. But you know, I'd say the chances. If I make good, they, a go, fellow what's uh, that? Sonic Talk member. Caitlin Bright, the most alien standalone 24 track recorder. That is the most alien looking thing I've ever seen. It just, yeah, it it looks, it's the strangest, strangest looking thing. But I think I'd enjoy it. I think it'd be great. I'd love to play with that thing. Yeah, I, I do. I do like location recording, but I've never done more than like four tracks at a time. And, you know, just getting individual mics and then a stereo feed or something like that. I don't I don't dabble in too much field recording, but I like the idea of having something really self-contained that I can just like rock up to a gig and just plug in. Although you don't need to do that so much these days with live gigs because most of the consoles just have USB outs and shows up as a yeah. You could record directly, yeah. This has got a Dante input and output, and it's also got AES forty two, I think it is, which is the digital mic format, which I've never seen. Have you ever seen anything that will record direct digital mics like that? I mean, that's that sounds interesting. I know, Rich, with this, just it a is. nice looking it thing. Is, well, though. it's interesting. I didn't <laughs> well, get a look. I didn't interesting really looking thing. Yeah, look okay. at it because I haven't. There is one of the few videos I didn't see. No, I, I, I agree. Oh. Ah, well, it's just out today. We're still we're still releasing them. So so I've dropped you in that a little bit there, but. <laughs> Yeah, there's more of this kind of stuff as well. There's the, uh, we've got a whole there's bunch of videos still yet to go, so I just thought I'd toss that in there. instrument that, as little of a romantic as I am, uh, it holds more appeal to me than a boutique mixer if it wasn't, like, designed and built by Rupert Neve. You know, like, um, so... Right. You know, having... 
Mixer, I'm te- I tend to be more in, much, well, in general, I tend to be more in uh, Ty's camp with this in terms of if it doesn't really work well, I don't care. Um, and and I don't know if this thing works well, but it, it certainly is uh, funny looking. It is. They, they say that they're, they're all about ergonomics. They've, and they've been going right. for 40 yeah. years, so they're obviously a bunch of people. They got something right. Yeah, they used to make like cine, uh, cine cameras and cine... Max, uh, 16 Max cameras and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it looks like it's kind of fun. Uh, anyway, question, it's about cost that. you is a it, quid, is it like a, I thought, Is it a tabletop unit? Are you supposed to carry it or...? <laughs> to wear it, yeah. I expect you'd have to you'd have to have it on a trolley, wouldn't you? You wouldn't you wouldn't be like because a lot of sound guys have a little pack here where they look down and they would. But yeah, you you probably wouldn't do that. But yeah, that probably wouldn't work. But that's a good question. I I get the feeling you might actually end up spiking yourself. I mean, if you tripped and fell on that, there's all sorts of protruding things that could could cause serious injury and kind of like kind of you know unusual shaped scars. I think. Um, let's let. Yeah, we can. Let me let me just get on to uh, let me just let me just bring in a word from our sponsors before we do that because uh, it feels about that time. So let's just hear about the uh, isotope neutron. As we know, it's uh, something that there we are. Isotope neutron mix assistant mixing features and functions that allow you to analyze the entire mix check for conflicting frequencies it also allows you to analyze specific tracks it says oh this is a bass track okay try this try this process and you can kind of use those as starting points and many people I've spoken to say if you just throw that across the entire mix it already starts you know to sound like it's getting somewhere but one of the unique selling points I think really is the fact that you can visually identify the frequency collisions and that's something that's not always easy to hear in the speakers. And yet you see that, you can make an adjustment, and then you'll be able to hear the difference. And that's sort of the revolutionary part of this. If you want to check out Isotope Neutron, uh, you go over to isotope.com forward slash neutron. And you, as with all of their stuff, you can download an evaluation copy, which basically works pretty much as is. Isotope Neutron. Thank you very much to them for sponsoring the show. And, of course, uh, we do have uh, last show, which was 487. We have a winner from last week's show. And the winner is somebody called Carl Properjohn, who is the Twitter handle at Carlos Rockets. Uh, and he's he uh, he tweeted, Neutron for the win, PWM for the win. Nice, uh, nice little synth reference in there. Unrelated, but... That's cool. So if you want to get in touch, Carlos Rockets or uh, Carl Properjohn, uh, we will pass your details on to Isotope and they will deposit a full copy of Neutron in your inbox. And congratulations on your win. And we've got another competition this week. Uh, we're looking for the hashtag. This is a Twitter competition. We're looking for the hashtag Mix Assistance, as in assistance, not T-S-C-E, uh, assistance. And the hashtag Neutron, and you tweet that to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So that's the hashtag Mix Assistance, the hashtag Neutron to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And once again, we thank Isotope for their sponsor of the show. And uh, obviously, there's no show next week, but the next time we come on, we'll have a winner from this one. So thank you very much to them for, for uh, the sponsor of the show. Um, you wanted to talk about the uh, nonlinear labs. I think I've got that here. If I play that, I've, here we are. This is Stefan for, Schmidt, uh, the sponsor of the show. Um, you wanted your, to talk uh, about the... 
That's interesting. Uh, what am I hearing? I'm hearing stuff back at myself. Ah, oh, that's why. Let me just mute that. Chosen a very, let's say, there we go. Let me see. There's a bit where he's where um, ah, where he's playing, and it sounds sounds astonishing. This is, uh, Stefan Smith is the founder of, uh, one of the founders of Native Instruments, and this is a kind of very simple architecture, but with lots of nuance and feedback paths. And it's just, the whole thing comes from two sine waves. So it sounds quite FM-y, but it also does a lot more size. It's got a resonator, filter, feedback between the effects. I think that's a really good orchestral. Let's see, there's some at the end. Anyway, Ty, you wanted to talk about this. I mean, this is the, uh, the, the, the Nonlinear Lab C15, which, again, is a, an expensive instrument. It's designed to be a player's instrument. Uh, and Stefan is very kind of unapologetic about the fact that it's... It, they haven't gone for MIDI because all the all the working resolutions, like the uh, the resolution of the aftertouch and the resolution of the controllers and the resolution of the velocity, is very high count. It's in the thousands of increments. So they're 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 pitching it as a kind of player's thing, which allows you to kind of create the expressivity. And uh, um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, well, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to rant. I'm not going to rant. I think there are some elements of this that. Um, I really, I really ad admire, and I think some of the decisions he's made, whichever way you look at it, I don't care. They're wrong, period. They're wrong decisions. But it's his instrument. He can choose to do what he wants. Um, he's such an educated guy. He obviously knows he's nuts, and, um, you know, great. Good for him. He's making the instrument he wants to make. The patch you, you talked about, the orchestral patch, is it's a beautiful patch. You can't argue that one patch is gorgeous. Unfortunately, all I've seen from this 4,000 euro synth is that one patch, which is gorgeous. Everything else about it, there is nothing on there. I refuse to believe there is anything on there that can't be done um, on an FM synth, like a montage or something, or even something like chromophone, um, which is all the physical modeling. I've got the physical modeling in my Oasis that can sound exactly like this. If you're going to play, if you're going to do make an instrument which is that that costs that much and is that developed and that specific, you need to make it absolutely sound incredible. And this thing does not, in any way, shape, or form, sound incredible. It does not sound unique. I love the idea of the controllers, but I've got controllers that I can assign to do you know kind of very similar, if not the same things. Or the whole feeding back on itself. I've got so much stuff that can do that with physical modeling. That's that's not a big deal anymore. That's not new anymore. If you're going to make these kind of decisions, you have to make it sound fantastic. And this thing doesn't. The first patch is just a wash of reverb. You could have put any half-decent FM sound through that, and that would have sounded fantastic because it's all reverb. So many of the patches are completely unimpressive, apart from that one orchestral patch. And the big thing is... When you start taking MIDI off something like this because it's made for players, what a load of looks. Because, you know, I understand why he's done it, but it's the wrong decision because I'm a player. I mean, people know this. I play. I play all the time. I, I'm a trained pianist. I can play just like Rich any day of the week. No problem. I want MIDI. 
to turn around and just say, well, it's like an acoustic instrument and you have to do this. That isn't how I work. And I don't want to, again, there's this thing of I don't want to now change the way I work to suit your instrument. Or if I do, I want your instrument to be so amazing and so brilliant. I have to buy it because it's so fantastic. This thing is not that fantastic. It doesn't sound great. There's nothing about this. It doesn't even look great, to be honest with you. I don't want a big <laughs> dollop of wood like that in the studio. I really want to love this synth. I really want it to be fantastic. And it's not. It's not at all. I think that's a fair, uh, a, a fair, a fair point of view to have. I mean, I think... Um... I think you're right about that in a lot of ways. I mean, I think that, I think even just yeah. just having MIDI out, so you because I mean, I, I I suspect that you know the, the idea of this is you've got one a big white room with this in the middle of it, and you sit at it and take it very seriously, and which is fine, but it's not something that you're going to necessarily integrate. I mean, you're not likely to turn up to a gig and only take this keyboard. It's going to be unlikely that that would be the case. I mean, unless you're doing something very specialised. So I take your point. I know, Rich, you were, you were nodding along in agreement <laughs> yeah, to absolutely. much of that, I think. I was also enjoying watching the chat room sort of running a, a temperature meter around. <laughs> the <laughs> the <laughs> conversation was going along. <laughs> that was really enjoyable. Um, I can't take issue with any of that. I was not Im that impressed with this thing. I kept skipping. At the point where I got bored, I just kept skipping through the video looking for sounds that would interest me, and I just didn't seem to come upon very many. And I thought, wow, it actually looks physically, it's a lovely piece of cabinetry. It looks a little bit like a sec a regenerated synclavier almost in the way that it present in the way that it's presented. Yeah, there is that to it, isn't um, But I didn't hear... First of all, when I had a Synclavier to use, I wasn't using their FM very much. But I didn't hear anything in this thing that would make me want to go that far into boutique world. And uh, it, it reminds me of the other two boutique products we were just talking about, though, in that it's a very niche market sort of, you know, almost collector piece that's not really even intended for mainstream yeah. Uh, consumption, which is one of the great things about this show and that coverage that you were talking about earlier, is that we had a chance to see, if I may say so in general, a very European perspective on design and on execution of a lot of very interesting devices and a lot of things that are done really, really well. And on some level, this thing is done very well. It just, as Ty pointed out so eloquently, doesn't happen to sound all that great, <laughs> but uh, it's gorgeous. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I think I heard some stuff in there that I would say, you know, that, I mean, yes, it's quite FME, you know, that, that you might not hear, you might hear, be able to hear anywhere else. But I think that there was some aspect, and I, I have to say that the player, Federico, oh. was absolutely brilliant. I don't know if you've got any, uh, <laughs> any different I'm perspective on that, Charles, or whether you're much, much the same count. It's like, how do you really feel? Now, I thought you were going to talk about the C15, you know, the Citroen, but uh, I guess you're going to talk about this instead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and maybe... Maybe like the Citroen. Similar price, uh, I think. It has one thing it does really well and everything else, eh, not so much, you know. But it's like an expensive version of it. So well, for those is, in America who don't know what the C C15 Citroen is, it's, you know, it's a cheap little vanny sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't I didn't hear anything about that that made me want to jump out and buy it. There was, there was really nothing. Hmm. <laughs> the oh, thing well. is, okay. honestly, well, if you check out... Um, uh, applied Acoustic Systems Chromophone. If you check out Chromophone, 
all of the physical modeling that's done in Chrome phone or on a Kronos or Oasis, all the physical modeling done in that, you can make all of these kind of sounds with uh, the kind of cross between FM and physical modeling. That is the sound of physical modeling and, and very basic FM. Um, it's, you know, so there's nothing you can't do with a software that's a lot, lot, lot cheaper. Right. Okay. Well, that's fair enough, but um, I'm going to be seeing him next week. Oh, in this so case, I, I, I love it. I think it's absolutely... <laughs> did I mention I think it's fantastic? <laughs> no, it's all right. I, I, I think I, I'm... I, I'm, I'm sure he is aware of some of the decisions, but I mean, that's the beauty of it in many ways, isn't it? The fact that he just sort of goes, well, you know, he founded Native Instruments. He's kind of put his chops in, in terms of bringing us all this affordable technology, including FM synths and what have you. And this is what I, he wants it, to do now. And I that, think that's that, great. I so, absolutely you know, that's agree. The, the fact that he is basically sticking two fingers up to everyone else and going, do you know what? This is what I want to do. That I absolutely admire and that I completely commend him for. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let let let's take that as a given then. Um, let's see. There was uh, what else have we got here? Uh, um, uh, yeah, Tascam. They released a cassette deck. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thunk it? Did you see that? It's actually. And the thing is, it's actually not all that. Uh, is this the right? No, that's not the right video. I don't think I put the right video in the hole. Let's see if this is the right video. We'll check. To say our sponsors, uh, Spectrosonics and uh, Yamaha, there, <laughs> getting a, another quick look in. Um, is this the Yamaha? The Tascam? Yeah. So it's a Tascam. This is the CDR, CD, USB recorder, and uh, cassette. I don't know. I won't show the whole thing because, but that that seemed to cause a bit of a stir. Got old people uh, upset about it that, that they've released a cassette deck. I'm not sure about the specifications for this and whether it's any use uh, in terms of like high playback and high recording. But you know, it's nice to see that format kind of supported. Yeah. I'm not. I'm going to go to you, Charles. First, is that it's the sort of thing that you might have lying around yeah. because I think it's, it I just think it's does cool. all of those that, things. The right? Only drag the connections on it or phono connections. Yeah, it's a. It's a. It's a. It's yeah. a yeah, but I mean, you know, to, that's, that's for I sure. think the the one cassette deck I have is a Sony, and it, it's running on U.S. power because like half of my studio is on U.S. power still because I brought a lot of things over from the states. Um, but uh, yeah, so and I don't know how much longer that thing's going to last. So this would be a good replacement. I I just I like doing I like putting stuff to cassette every now and then just for the the sound of it. I, same way I like putting things onto tape machines just to, for the certain sound of it. Uh, but I, yeah, I'd, I would use something like that. I, if you know, if it's a reasonable price, yeah, I'd buy it. Sure. Yeah, I can't remember what the cost was, but uh, oh, Rich, is there any room in your life for cassette uh, tapes yeah. anymore? There's practically a room worth of cassette tapes somewhere, you know, <laughs> scattered around this house. Um, I'm tempted. I'm really considering buying one of these and leaving it in the box. Because I have right here, I have a Nakamichi cassette deck that the last time I plugged it in worked. And thank God. And um, hopefully it will continue to work. But Well, they're top of the tree, aren't they? Those guys, they were really lovely. I used to service Nakamichis at a Nakamichi Nakamichi dealership. But anyway, I digress. Um, It ain't going to last forever. And they're not going to be available forever. And I've got boxes and boxes full of these things that I 
could stand to be able to play back why i don't know but at some point i might want some of my work is on them at the very least and that's what i tend to use this thing for is to transfer things from my past that are only existent on cassette um so i am half tempted to buy one of these things just leave it in the box (laughs) and wait to need it because i just don't know how long they're going to be making them yeah, well, that's true. I mean, the other thing, obviously, you stick a cassette in, play it back, and record it directly to the USB stick recorder that's in there, which is actually except that's it neat only for transfer, does MP3. Um, so that's good. Yes, up it'll. Oh, do does up it really? Okay, I didn't check that. Rate, but it yeah. only does MP3. Well, that's that's <laughs> probably better than the quality of the cassette by Maybe some significant factor, I'd I, imagine. I, but I yeah. wish for WAV files. I would be yeah. happy to buy extra extra usb sticks and have wave files but whatever um <laughs> it's kind of a cool product yeah i wish it had pro outputs like the nakamichi does and like that but but uh and i just might like i said i might buy one and just leave it in the box until i need it yeah that's a fair point ty you look like a man who might have a room full of cassettes i think, I think somewhere that's a really good past. idea and i have to say i hadn't really thought about it but i think it's a great idea by rich because i think that's a really sensible thing to do i was in a position uh last year where someone contacted me an old friend from uni basically saying i've just found a cassette that you gave me when you were 18 and it was completely full of all these songs i'd written and recorded and I'm I mean I'm sure they were they were rubbish and um, so between the ages of 16 and 18 and and they said oh I've got it on cassette do you want me to send you the cassette and I said yeah so I can transfer it over so I got out my old cassette deck and exactly like Rich said didn't work so I thought okay I'll buy a cassette deck you try and find a half decent cassette deck you can't find one Tascam make one which until this which was a double cassette deck. Again, very limited spec, Dolby B only. And all my cassettes were recorded with Dolby C or Dolby S. So I said, okay, fine. So I tried to buy a secondhand one on eBay. It arrived, didn't work. Bought another one on eBay, arrived. Another one on eBay arrived, didn't work. And in the end, I've had to borrow a friend's cassette deck to actually play back this cassette. So I was trying to buy a good quality cassette deck new. You can't do it. Tasca make this double one. This is the, they now make this. So I'm thinking what a fantastic product, like everyone else, what a great solution to the problem. And then they go and blow it by exactly as Rich said, it's MP3 only. But the main, no, but that's the main thing. The no trans- Dolby. But transport yeah. itself is just a bog standard cassette transport. It's the kind, to me, it looks like the kind of transport you'd get in a kind of, all-in-one hi-fi there's no dolby there's nothing involving any kind of fancy filtering there's nothing it's the most basic you know um, transport you can get and i just don't get it because and exactly you know combine that combined with the mp3 combined with the um outputs it's almost a fantastic product and if they'd spent another 20 pounds on it it would have been a really good product and i understand it's a niche market but it's so close to being brilliant that it's just it's just a bit frustrating, really. So. Yeah, I know. I take your point. I think that's a that's a very fair point, actually. Um, there was another story, which uh, was the guy uh, Rob Allen that we spoke to, who was an avid, who's the uh, designer, one of the designers of the SL S6 Live. We chatted. I remember we talked about the kind of state of the live consoles of technology, and. Things have moved on a bit, right? Oh yeah, we're just doing some amazing stuff at the moment. Yeah, we're working really hard on making uh, 
live consoles soft and uh, you know, we're making our consoles so that you can program it to kind of pretty much do anything you need it to do. So like in the first generation of digital consoles that Avid made, things were still hard. You would still have, uh, you would still have um, switches that did specific things. You would still have um, encoders that did specific things in the way that you would with an There was a guy talking really loudly every off camera. Every <laughs> fader and every knob soft so that whatever I, I choose to do, I, the, the desk itself can sort of reconfigures itself. reconfigures itself depending on... I won't play the whole thing. It's actually a fascinating interview because uh, Rob Allen does the front house for Massive Attack as well. And we talked all sorts of stuff, including, uh, you know, having to deal with uh, sound uh, uh, limitations and how great new speakers. Are. It, was just, it was a really interesting chat. I mean, even if you're not going to be buying an S6 Live, he is one of the kind of front house greats, aside from Chicky, of course. And you, when I brought this, uh, this up, you said that you yeah. knew him and you'd actually use the S6 Live as well because it does look like a really lovely yeah. thing. I mean, expensive as hell, but, you know, very specialised and just really kind of tasty piece of hardware. And Avid stuff has been front of house for a lot of time. I mean, there are other yeah, desks as well, I, but they're I've quite I've been using prolific, a pro, uh, D-Show profile for since about 2008. And then uh, I switched over to the S6L last year, this time last year. And uh, it's it's now the console that I spec on my writer. Um, I love it. Absolutely love it. It sounds brilliant. It's, it, Rob has done a great job in his work with it. Um, I'm besides being a top guy, um, but yeah, I love this console. Absolutely love the sound of it. It's it's beautiful. It's a it's you know it's it's basically it's their RS6, just the live version of it. So there's hard there's no difference in it really. Um, I like the touchscreen interface of it. I like how it's a completely rewritable console, so you can really make that console into anything that you want. You know, it's an iPad of consoles basically, except you know more pro, more spec. But yeah, I love that thing. Absolutely love it. It's interesting. One of the features that they had, which I thought was pretty cool, are these things called events. So he showed me where you push a fader up, and when it gets past a certain point, the the the, the auxiliary send switches to pre to post fade from pre fade or pre fade from post fade, so that if it you know it doesn't affect overload the uh, you could still turn up the signal front of house, but maybe you're not affecting the signal into wherever it's going. And the other thing where he pushes a fader up and it put, it bumps the upper mids of the EQ at the same time so that the guitar solo pops out. I mean, just all these kind of things just seem like really nifty, nifty kind of, and fairly obvious ideas. But obviously, you know, it, it, it just means that there's such an amount of complexity to it. I just thought it was a fascinating, again, you know, another bit of fascinating live technology. Rich, do you get um, get these front of house much? Or I, I suppose you don't really have much to do with what goes on front of house at your end of well, my, things, right? <clears throat> pardon me. My own work obviously doesn't involve any activity at the front of house. However, I do spend a lot of time with those guys because they're my dear friends. And we talk about these things. And it was only at the last gig that our front of house genius, John Ryan, was raving to me about uh, these consoles and our monitor guy, Marco Delatore, was also raving to me about these consoles and how interested they were in possibly integrating them into our workflow, which mostly now involves Yamaha and Digico. Um, and I was really interested to see another video uh, that included this nice man, Rob, and the guys from Duran Duran's crew, who we toured with last year, who were using these consoles. Um, and listening to them discuss all the ways that it works for them. 
Uh, apparently, it works really, really well. And this guy Rob's workflow idea of having every single feature not more than two presses away from wherever you are right now uh, is really an effective way of getting at large amounts of track data in a small amount of real estate. And uh, apparently sounds great, works great, and uh, is uh, maybe a game changer, but certainly very important console. Yeah, no, it does sound like, I mean, the other thing, I mean, one of the principles he said is, you know, you bring the faders to the engineer rather than look for the fader. Every song, you know, you just kind of go, well, I've got 10 fingers and I want everything here. So you just move the faders into the, the place rather than kind of go, oh, this one's over, the snare's over here. And it seemed like an ultimately sensible thing. I mean, obviously, we talked a little bit about this idea that, well, okay, that means that people are going to have to adjust their workflow, which is, you know, hard because in... It, when you're dealing with front of house situations, it's very stressful, and you've got to you've got to be sure that you can grab what you you know. It can be very stressful. You need hands on, so it would require a little bit of preparation and stuff. Ty, have you ever come across any of this? I mean, guess the S six you might have come this across is, in this is, studios this is quite spooky, and stuff. Actually, I don't know. because right up until last week, I was looking at an S six system, um, and had been for a few weeks. Basically, I was I haven't seen the SXL, but um, I'm changing my setup. And uh, I narrowed it down to either the Avid S6 system or the Yamaha Nuage system. And so I spent a week, a couple of weeks ago, going and looking at both systems, one in Germany and one up here. And um, they got demonstrators in to show me. And um, I had to choose which to go with, whether to go with an S6 system or a Yamaha Nuage system. And so, so I got to know the S6 mm. really well, actually. And and the S6 is, you know, it was essentially a lot of the design team from that were bought over from Euphonics. And because I use Euphonics MC Pro, there was a lot of um, similarity between the two. But in the end, uh, I went with the Nuage system, which is just absolutely incredible. So, um, so that's arrived and is waiting to be installed. But the S6 system, yeah, from a studio point of view the s6 system is 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 really good it's it's you know it's fantastic so um i got to look at it quite a lot of depth oh nice excellent yeah it does look lovely i mean uh, it's it's the sort of thing that you know you can probably need a bit of time with okay right well let's get on to because i know you wanted to talk about this tie so i think it's only fair seeing as you uh let's see if i can play this this is the Object delay, acoustic filter. Let's see if will it will it work. This is from AAS, which you said you've been uh, enjoying immensely. I'm not even sure what this is, but I'm assuming it's a. Oh, that sounds nice. It's almost mm -hmm. like a reverberator there. Multiple echoes, I'm guessing. Nice demo. Basically, any time domain stuff by the sound of it. Ooh. Yeah, I could listen to that for ages. That's a really nice demo, actually. So that's uh, AAS. So it's basically a plugin that, uh, if I'm, it's object, it's creative delay unit with un unique filtering options and I guess modulation and stuff like that. And um, at the beginning, there, Ty, you were saying, look, you know, every you now it. and again, you come across a plugin that you genuinely, that generally 
changes the way that you work and becomes for whatever period of time it becomes your first you know first choice plugin for and that may be for a week or a month or a year or it's one of those plugins i'm not going to say the word good game changer because we're not going to do that uh but it's a game changer and um <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's one of those plugins that honestly that when i when i kind of discovered it it was just like whoa 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 and i mean i've literally had it a couple of days and all the stuff i've done has it's just been full of it and i've just got a whole list of all these great creative delay type plugins that now i just i honestly don't need because the, what you didn't couldn't kind of see from that short demo is it's not a delay although it's called a delay uh, you've basically got your normal delay unit, but you then the delays get fed into a normal filter. So again, so many de delays have got a normal filter. Um, but this one actually goes into a modeling resonator. So you can basically, as well as your normal Ooh. filtering, you it has things like plate and strings, and these are uh, resonators with physical modeling. But again, you can change the form and the pitch. And then, so all of that gets incredibly creative and anything you put into it suddenly sounds massive and really rhythmic and uh, there's some amazing presets. Then on top of that, you have a modulation, an LFO, and you can assign that LFO to basically any of the parameters, whether that be in the physical modeling whether of the resonator, whether it be in the delays. And then on top of all this, I mean, it's just creative heaven. And then on top of all this, there's a bank of patches done by Richard Devine that um, are just, you know, it's it's the work done by a master. Even just for those presets, they are fan properly fantastic. So, I mean, I, on, on the project that Ooh, I'm, I've that... been doing over the last couple of days, at the moment, I mean, I'm running it now, and I think there's now about 11 or 12 of of everything's going through it <laughs> yeah no one knows yeah honestly on everything's going all the synths i've got strings going through it, the vocals the, all of the drums and percussion and it really is one of those i can tell you for a fact for the next i don't know how long when i want if i'm feeling i need some inspiration on i need some kind of rhythmic element it's first port of call is to go with this it's fun i mean the thing is anyone that doesn't know the as um uh, the applied acoustics stuff anyway their physical modeling stuff is second to none. You know, it's they, they were amongst the first and, to kind of tackle you know, kind it, of like they? String I mean, Studio no, no. and Ultra um, Ultra Analog, and that it's just fantastic. Their stuff is their stuff is just amazing. I don't know, quite know why they're not on the radar more than you know. They really should be, um, and I use their stuff all the time. And Chromophone is a fantastic talk. It basically Chromophone is essentially what the C15 wants to be. Um, but yeah, this delay is amazing good well I, I i don't know what to say about that that sounds like kind of almost an endorsement it sounds like it's got yeah. you got you pretty but excited you, say, though, you know i buy a lot of plugins i buy a huge amount of plugins and a lot of libraries yeah and very few get me very very few get me this excited it's kind of one a year yeah, you... that get me this excited it is it's a very good plugin well, actually, I should probably add that uh, I think it's on special now for 99 bucks, uh, 139 So, yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that out, actually. That does look pretty good. Um, so I don't know if either of you chaps have checked it out or whether it, this is uh, news to you, but uh, mm -hmm. sounds like uh, it might be worth yeah. a look. Yeah, Chicky. I think Chicky's got it. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Fine. Um, so um, the there was something else. Oh yeah, Super Booth. Good God. Yeah, Super Booth next week. I mean, it's it's coming up fast. I mean, lots and lots of things to see at Super Booth. I mean, uh, you know, there are rumours abounding everywhere. Some of which I am party to, but I can't say anything about, and some of which I don't know anything about. I do know I have an appointment with Yamaha on Wednesday night, who are releasing something, and the guy I'm talking to is in the synth part of it so i'm guessing it might be some new hardware synth but i really i, I honestly don't know and he won't and he won't tell me i saw him at messer i said oh come on just give me a clue and he goes nope i'm not <laughs> telling you it's like god damn and i hear the behringer are going to be there with some stuff obviously the world of quantum uh, uh electro digitact i think is going to have its first sort of working unveiling or well, i did speak to them earlier and they're flat out just making sure it's working i've also heard there's something from novation I don't know if anybody else has heard anything. Have you heard? I mean, it seems like in terms of the re uh, releases within, you know, our sort of synth and electronic music world, this is going to be the show where, certainly this year, uh, um, where a lot of things come no, into shape. No, nothing at all. Have you heard all anything, Charles? Is this, the, you said Behringer's going to be there. So I would imagine, are they going to, like, show a prototype of their new, uh, what, yeah, by, or, or whatever. They're, they're making clones of everything, it seems. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but just one of everything. Yeah. They'll just all be there. That would be kind of funky, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be a big ask, though. I mean, I know they have a limp. They have engineers, <laughs> but I don't think they've got that many engineers to be able to yeah. actually pull that off in one go. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, there'll be a lot of coverage coming up. I know, uh, Ty, you probably there's you probably know stuff. Bobs, You've got your fingers in really, pies. I mean, you can't, obviously. I know, but um, yeah, uh -huh. I've heard the same thing about innovation. I can tell you that one. So... Um, yeah, I think that, that I mean, and we don't know whether, I know they did release uh, this week, they've released a standalone version of Circuits Components, which is actually pretty cool. So that means you don't have to be online to back up and store patches. You can still use the web browser, but it'll work mm. offline somehow. Not quite sure how. I guess it's because it's using USB MIDI, so it'll just say, I've got one of these, and it stores files locally in a cache or something like that, I'm guessing. I'm, I need to find, uh, figure out a bit more about that, but it seems like they're kind of quite on fire at the moment. I remember when I was there um, some time back, on the wall there was a plaque which said, which was a, a disc, which said, uh, I think it was 300 or 350,000 launch pad wow. sales, which, you know, that, that's got to give you a fair bit of R&D wow, cash, I'd imagine. Amazing. So, yeah, that is, I mean, you know, when you consider what that's like mm. 80 to 100 quid a pop, possibly more, that represents an extremely large amount of revenue uh, and also the focus right stuff. So they'll probably be pretty. But I think um, Berlin uh, starts on, well, we'll be there from the Wednesday, which is, I think is the 19th, officially starts on the 20th, if I'm getting my dates right. What's the date See, on? Uh, 19th I, I is Wednesday. Wrong, actually. Wednesday, yeah. So it's the 20, 21st, 22nd, 23rd. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday are when the show. And we have got appointments with um, Yamaha. Uh, I'm working on Novation and various other people uh, to try and get the stuff as soon as possible. And then we'll be able to, because it's just going to be, it's going to be all the people that didn't show up at Mesa and some as well, I think. So there's going to be a lot of gear and it's going to be, because it's a new venue, everything is going to be new. So it's going to be quite a, a full-on experience, I think. But I, I don't know if anybody else has heard any review, any rumours. Rich, I guess Superbooth probably isn't such a big, uh, a big blip on the horizon from the states because it's a, a yet another European show that's just new and not actually got that much of a track record yet. Another drink? Oh, that was me. You were typing, Rich. I'm sorry, I muted. That was my fault. I'll have. You can have a drink with me. That wasn't. I would just like to point that wasn't Rich. That was my doing. I'm terribly went unnoticed. Um. 
It's all right. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'd love to attend Superbooth someday, and I wish it was closer. But if I happened to be in Europe at the time where it was it was going on, I would make a concerted effort to go there. Yeah, well, that, I think that's a fair comment. It's a shame it's not at the Funk House, but uh, I think the Funk House is just too... It's not big. I don't know if it's actually big enough. I think they've actually got that many new exhibitors that it's going to be a kind of, you know, going to be one of those tricky things to to uh, to find a venue that houses all those people. But yeah, I mean, one of the things that came out of Music Mesa was everybody was saying, are you going to Superbooth? <laughs> it was just sort of like, it was all about what the show is next week. But uh, obviously to do the two is probably going to be a, a bit tricky. I mean, we're doing both, obviously, but I mean, it's a, it's a tricky a tricky subject. Um, I think we're probably about due. Uh, is there anything else that anybody wanted to cover? I know we've kind of tried to get through a lot of stuff, and I, I, I'm sure we missed something. Rich, well, you have I a, did want you, to comment like on Pride Acoustics speak. because I've had a I've had a long so I'm relationship so, yeah, I am with sorry. those guys, and they're really really nice guys. They do make a lot of great software. I did endorse some of their products back in the day, Lounge Lizard in particular. Um, and uh, quite enjoyed the demos of this delay and thought it was really great sounding and love Ty's enthusiasm for it. So uh, <laughs> I'm interested. Um, the delay that had otherwise oh. captured my interest most recently, like delays do, I guess, well, was the new DSP delay, which also has, uh, it has three different modes of operation. And one of them allows you to access some significant portion of their FUTS box, um, physical modeling library that allows you to use their physical modeling library as part of the processing in the delay signal and uh, does some similar and some dissimilar creative things. So it's, it's sort of like a similarly geared product, but they don't actually do all of the same things. And this one, I'm not sure, for example, that they have very much LFO driven stuff. I'm not sure that they don't either, but I'm just not sure. Um, but they, it's a, Beautiful product by a great company. Eric has been very, very nice to me over the years. Um, and uh, I support Applied Acoustics 100%. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to. And I, actually, I did want to quickly mention, uh, as uh, Dave is such a regular, Dave Spears is such a regular guest, uh, there's the Restrings uh, rack extension, which is uh, a kind of porting or a, a reimagining of the virtual string machine for Reason rack extensions. Uh, comes with a whole bunch of stuff, and that was announced yesterday. So uh, that's one of the reasons Dave wasn't able to be on the show because I'm guessing he's pretty busy. So uh, there it is. Do check if you're if you're a GeForce fan and you're a Reason user, go check out uh, the Restrings um, plugin as well. You can buy it directly from them, and I think it's on special offer. The VSM is incredible. The samples correctly. in there are yeah. The VSM there we go. Module is amazing. And they've chosen and they've chosen well. For yes, absolutely. They, yeah. they, they've got it down to about I guess. 20 of the various VSMs and um, and they've chosen really well. You get a really nice selection of different like key, key stuff, important stuff, all the Krumar stuff. You get the uh, Selena, you get a Mellotron, you get you get all kinds of really important I think you get an Arp Omni. You get a bunch of really great stuff. Yeah. Free. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and a great demo uh, from Dave as well. Very lush and uh... <laughs> How and stringy, as you'd expect. That's the uh, restring. How unexpected. I just wanted to get that in there. <laughs> stringy. Yeah, how unexpected. Anyway, I think that's it for this week. Thank you very much. Uh, again, there's no show next week because we're going to be at Superbooth. And we will try. We did try some live streams from Mesa. And you would have thought that it would work seeing as we're out in the open. But for some reason, the network was dreadful. So I'm hoping it might be better 
Uh, we do record it, so it does tend to go up straight away after. So hopefully we'll try and do we'll do like a show walk around uh, or two from um, uh, the super booth as well. So hopefully you'll see that. And if you keep your eyes out, I, I was talking about we've got a new plugin coming out uh, in conjunction with uh, Phelan Kane uh, Metafunction, and it's called the the Wave Junction, which is a four voice paraphonic synth with three filters, five LFOs, five envelopes, a 12-slot modulation matrix, wavetables, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, that's going to be available through us. You can buy stuff from us. like. So keep an eye out for that. That will be coming out very soon. So once again, thank you very much to my guests uh, for joining me this week. Uh, Ty, thank you. Uh, I'm guessing, is your studio oh, going to be down for a while? Because if you're getting recommissioned... You going on holiday, or are you going no, to have to move into the other room with the mobile this, rig? This uh, album, and it's all just going to sit in boxes for the next like kind of at least month or so, and then it's going to be a good. It's yeah, I'm going to be out of action for at least a good week, and it's all going to be a big deal. But but the nuage thing. I mean, at some stage we'll talk about the whole Yamaha nuage thing. It's incredible. But um, yeah, studios down. Well, that must Very be quite scary, scary actually. So, I'd imagine. Well, you might be able to take a break. Who knows? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Maybe not then. Uh, Maybe not. Okay. And also, Mr. Charles Chicky Reeves, thank you very much for joining us too. And I hope you're... Have you done all your pre-production for your tours to come? Or have you got some of that to do? Today, in fact, um, for for the two different tours. So it's a lot of work. A lot of work. But um, yeah, in between that, I'm also trying to finish a bunch of writing and do production on an album that I'm starting next week. So it's nonstop. It's great. It's good to be busy. I'm really thankful for that. So That's very true. In this day and age, it's not always easy to maintain that workload. Uh, anyway, and also, Rich, uh, thank you very much for joining us. I'm guessing you're off to wax a hottie, as I like to say, in the uh, in the Nile Rogers uh, studio. Yes, hotties, hotties will be waxed. Today. Maybe. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. And then you'll be off on the road, uh, and hopefully we'll see you all again very soon. But like I say, no show next week. But thank you very much, Rich, for joining us indeed, and Charles and Ty. So that's it for this week. Um, Once again, I should remind you, if you want to enter the Neuron competition, uh, don't forget Isotope Neutron. Sorry, Neutron, not Neuron. Isotope Neutron, because we were talking about uh, Axel Hartman. Isotope Neutron, uh, tweet the hashtag MixAssistance. And the hashtag Neutron to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And you'll be picked in a couple of weeks when we come back and do the show. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time.